pilot. Pilot? What's a pilot? Well, the way they pick TV shows is they make one show. That show's called a pilot. And they show that one show to the people who pick shows. And on the strength of that one show, they decide if they want to make more shows. Some get chosen and become television programs. Some don't. Become nothing. She started one of the ones that became nothing. You know, Keith, it's been a while since we've been roommates living in Jersey City. Those were the days. And one of the things I miss most about that time together is how much TV we watched. We watched so many TV shows. And so that's kind of the inspiration for this podcast we're starting, right, is talking about TV shows, specifically the first episodes of TV shows. Because that's really where, as an audience, you get a sense of whether or not you want to continue and invest as an audience member. Every show has a pilot, but not every show has a finale. I, like, we're kind of connoisseurs of TV. I would like, think so. Like, we've seen shows rise. We've seen shows fall. Like, we've gotten into shows that have only lasted one season. And we, like, we kind of had podcast discussions about the TV show. We should have just been recording then, but we're recording now. Yeah, you know, it's so tempting to do a podcast about one particular TV show and do a rewatch there's so many of those and those are really good i enjoy a lot of those kinds of podcasts but we love so many tv shows it's hard to just dedicate ourselves to one so this is kind of maybe a cheat but at the same time it's it's fascinating this this part of tv watching when you watch a pilot or a, a a series premiere and you see if one you like the premise one you like the characters but you know it's also interesting to think about the perspective of the creators of the show and their opportunity to convey what they want to convey in that, whether it's like a 30 minute or one hour pilot, which is not always easy to do. Cause you know, some shows know what they are right away. Some shows take some time, you know? And then of course, when you talk about TV from a business perspective, you know, the pilot is what networks go off of, whether they want a green light for a series and you know, sometimes we do see that pilot is what is the initial airing. Sometimes we don't. You know, sometimes the show will do like a proof of concept, right? And then they'll refilm it for, for the actual broadcast. So we'll be talking about these TV shows from the perspective of an audience member, right? Because uh, whether it's a show that we've seen before and it's like, again, retrospective or if it's a show we haven't seen before that we're discussing and we are going to truly gauge, is this something we want to watch based on this first episode? Because that's really how most people make that assessment. Also, we're lovers of TV. We're uh, This show is for people who love TV. And we, we do declare that the pilot is one of the most important. It sets the tone. It sets the stage. Some great shows fumble it. Some... Bad shows have amazing pilots, but the pilot, of course, is always like one of the most important things. It's of, of any show. It's the first step. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's some very famous pilots that you can maybe think of that uh, throughout the history of television. And so some are infamous. Right. And then uh, some really are a landmark for what they established. And so. With the first show we're going to discuss for this podcast, I think it's really a textbook example of a show that didn't know what it was in its pilot, or at least needed more time to fully become what we would know it or what, what its legacy would be. 
right? And so that show, it's my favorite show of all time. I know it's uh, one of your favorites too, and it's Seinfeld. And so, you know, a little history on the Seinfeld premiere or pilot. You know, this is something that really started to form in the late 80s, right? Jerry Seinfeld was um, you know, a comedian that had been getting started throughout the 70s and 80s, and he had been approached by NBC executives to do a project, right? This is like very primordial soup sort of thing, you know, like not sure what exactly this would be. Brings in his uh, friend, fellow comedian Larry David, to work on what initially was just going to be a special on how comedians... Like during SNL. Like, they, I had no idea. This is what they did uh, for, like, Curb, and I heard that story before, but I had no idea that Seinfeld was just going to be a 90-minute special. Yeah, exactly. Just about how comedians get their material from their day-to-day lives. And sure enough, they felt like this wasn't something that could be sustained for 90 minutes as it was being written and formulated. And so they realized this is maybe something more for a 30-minute pilot or, you know, 22-minute, however long it actually is, minus commercials. So this is something that they they wrote. And, uh, you know, when they first presented this to NBC, you know, the executives were very skeptical because it was so unusual, right? This is, you know, as much as this might not be uh, a pilot that, totally captures what the legacy of the show winds up being, it definitely is a pilot that was very different from anything that had been made before. That's why, like, uh, like one thing that I've always heard throughout, like, ever since I started really watching Seinfeld, and, of course, with the rise of, like, Twitter and Reddit, I, this gets brought out every once in a while. It's like, oh, I just watched the Seinfeld pilot, and it would never be made today. Because, and, Maybe you're right. You're probably right because Seinfeld existed and Seinfeld – I can't think of another show that had like a stand-up comedian giving his his bits or that kind of humor in a show. Like that kind of just casual, everyday Seinfeldian humor. And yeah, no, the I can imagine the uh, network executives at M- NBC were like, what is this? Exactly, because there is a loose plot to this pilot, but the humor is very much more toned down, you know, the mundane day-to-day lives, right? As we'll see when we do our scene-by-scene rewatch, he's, it's, a lot of it is slice-of-life kind of stuff, which actually doesn't really go over that well with audiences, interestingly enough. You know, maybe it was a little too mundane for them at the time. But still, there was the emphasis on how a comedian gets his material. You know, one of the running jokes about Seinfeld is, you know, it's a show about nothing. And I think, yes, the in joke (laughs) that they would do later on when they do the show within the show, they'd make a nod to that, but that's not how it was pitched. It was pitched as how a comedian gets his material. And you can see that in this pilot and in a lot of the early episodes when there is more of a focus on the standup. And so, you know, in this, in this first episode, there are, I believe four stand-up sequences, and as the show of as the show evolves, you get fewer and fewer. I think by season three, throughout several seasons later, you're getting an opening stand-up and a closing stand-up. By season eight, after Larry David leaves, 
you don't get any stand-up anymore. And, that really, they, they really leave that concept behind by the end of it when it's more about this large cast of characters that gradually formed over the years. So um, it's it's definitely one of those shows where it's a journey from start to finish in its evolution. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you, you could take your pick. You, do you like the more grounded stuff about how he gets his material? Or do you like the more wacky stuff from the later seasons where it gets very sitcom and over the top? You know, I, I like both, but people definitely have their preferences. To go back to the stand-up uh, parts in the beginning, uh, also, like, you, as you said, like, in the later seasons, it just becomes, like, the opening and the closing for, like... 30 seconds this went on i think i re i think i timed it it went on for like two three minutes i was like wow he like they really closed with him just stand like doing a full bit yeah it's like almost like part sitcom part stand-up special in a way and in fact in this pilot we get an angle that we never get for the rest of the series which is from behind jerry a look at the audience right that's right that's right that's a good good catch with that it's an interesting perspective there because it is about Jerry. And so you're almost like in his shoes at that moment, which I, I find very interesting. So this, this um, script was again, met with skepticism by the NBC executives, but uh, they were actually happy with the finished pilot after it was filmed and they saw what they were going to air. Uh, but the test audiences that they did responded negatively so there was a lot of um, uncertainty, but they went ahead and the official broadcast date for this pilot is July 5th, 1989. Wow. wow. So long ago. So crazy. And what's funny about that date is that, you know, in this age of algorithms, of things being categorized in different ways on streaming services, I've seen this multiple times suggested in a category of 80s favorites because technically... The first episode aired in 1989, but of the 180 episodes, this is the only one that airs in the 80s. So I, I find that kind of funny. Well, that's also an interesting bit of I can't think of another time a, a show did what they did to Seinfeld. Like, we'll give you the pilot and then people liked it. It's like, OK, we'll give you four more episodes next year. Right. Such a gap between the first initial episode and then the rest of that first season, which is a very short season to begin with. Just because as much as uh, audiences at home were very lukewarm to negative about this pilot, critics really liked it because it was so different and because it was doing something new with the genre. And there were still- Intriguing as yes. they call it, which is how there I see it too. Like it's, there's hit, like it's like going to the gym. This pilot tr tries to do a lot and then of course as Seinfeld has evolved over the years it found it found what works it's found his workout routine that makes it it's found what makes it strong but they're trying everything here yeah oh yeah definitely and you could tell what they would take and move forward with you know because I watching this pilot I'm like oh, okay there's certain cadences of dialogue that I that that look familiar as someone who has watched many of the later episodes so you can tell what they decided to move forward with. Um, and, you know, the, again, critics saw the potential in this. And there were NBC executives who yeah. didn't want to give up on this show as it was originally called. Yeah. 
But sometimes you need that. You need the support from maybe just one person who has some power to keep a project alive. So they gave what turned out to be the shortest TV order in history of four additional episodes, which aired almost a year later, right? This, if this first episode airs in July 5th, 1989. The next episode wouldn't air until May 1990. Such a huge gap. I wondered if audiences even remembered this show when it came back. They probably didn't. They probably did. like, oh, I remember that thing last summer. Right. And I wonder if by then, uh, in that huge gap, if, you know, the actors, if the if the staff had figured, well, you know, we did it and, you know, they might have have started to move on and accept that maybe this isn't going to move forward. But, you know, uh, as they would see, it would turn out to be much bigger than anyone could possibly imagine. Yeah. Uh, and they hold they restructured a lot that that's I think if I'm not mistaken, the second episode is where Jerry has his apartment. Right. His apartment looks uh, way uh, more familiar. Yeah. We finally get introduced to Elaine in the second episode. Yeah. <laughs> Huge presence missing in this first one. And in fact, yeah, having watched a lot of the DVD behind the scenes specials, uh, I saw in one interview, Julia Louis-Dreyfus says she's never watched the pilot episode. And you know, that was she made that interview. She made that comment back in 2004. So who knows if she's watched it since then. But uh, I find that kind of interesting. It's like the only episode she has never been in and she hasn't watched it. And, um, you know, it's it's it does. It's one of the reasons why it doesn't really feel like the actual show yet, because she is so integral to the series. You had the waitress. Right. Uh, Claire. And they and they're, and they're like, I can understand, at least in the beginning, they're writing this. It's like, OK, they go to the diner and it's not even the same diner. It's not monks. And they're not even sitting at a booth. Uh, but it's, they even said like, oh, we need someone to be a part of the gang. Not like, cause they would just be telling like, oh, what are you up to? I'm a waitress. Well, they wanted uh, a female like, presence too. Right. And so that initially yeah. was intended to be this, uh, waitress character, Claire, but let's, let's start from the beginning. So, you know, we have the stage is set. This pilot airs in 1989. And let's try to pretend we're our age now back then. This comes on the TV and we're, okay, let's watch it and see if we want to continue with this show. So, um, you know, without further ado, Keith, take us to the pilot. Flight 527, runway 8 Kilo here, cleared for takeoff. Do you know what this is all about? Do you know why we're here? To be out. This is out. And out is one of the single most enjoyable experiences of life. All right, so this is it. This is the first ever stand-up on Seinfeld. And it's something, I guess, very relatable still today about having to go out and having to get back. And that is that is just classic. It, it's something that actually, I think, stays with the show, you know, because they're always going out. They're always going to different restaurants. You know, there's monks, but then you have their other times where you know they're going out to the movies they're they're going out you know to the mall and they get stuck in the the parking lot and and so it's it's something that i think is a good tone to start with in terms of material for the show at least what uh the big thing for comedians back then were like all right you do johnny carson and if he calls you over to the couch after your set you are a big name the next day and of course if you do if you know you pay your dues long enough you someone comes up to you and gives you a show and we've seen, and we'll talk about that 
more and more as the show goes on. But I, yeah, you start the tone with Jerry Seinfeld's kind of humor and him doing stand up. And, uh, yeah, no, he could have started with anything, but it's like, you're out right now. Yeah. But, yeah. Look at uh, you. But the thing is, once you're out, you got to get back. And I, I like that. I think another thing he captures a lot in his stand up and then again on the show is that contradictory neurotic behavior so many of us have that we don't realize right because it is true that once you are out one of the things that does get to you is okay well how long am i going to be out when do i need to get back you start thinking at least i do you start thinking about you know your your return your exit strategy you know you start thinking about you know how am i going to get back at the end of the night and you just you just left to begin with so it's it's something that he's always had. Uh, both Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld have always had their thumb on, are not just social conventions and social situations, but some of these uh, neurotic tendencies that we all have without realizing. And we'll see that really played out with uh, George. Yes, I think George is like the the definitive character when it comes to uh, neurotic behavior. That is almost like obviously he's the. Um, yeah, he represents the Larry David personality, but also a lot of times, you know, he he kind of represents the sort of behavior that Jerry is making fun of in both the stand-up and on the show. I'm sure we'll get into Jason Alexander uh, in the next scene, but I just found his whole uh, audition process. Like, he, he even said he thought he was doing an impression of uh, Woody Allen. And I kind of got that yeah. in this first episode. I get that too. In this first episode. it's And, and actually, if... Um, in like the early episodes in general, you get a sense of that before it really hones in on that more classic George character. You know, it's again, it's an evolution that he finds. Yeah. So, you know, scene one, the actual first scene of the show, we're at, uh, again, not Monk's Cafe, but uh, Pete's Luncheonette. <laughs> Such a strange place, it seems, for people familiar with the show. Uh, but here they are. And the very first thing they're talking about, Jerry criticizing the second button on George's shirt. It's in no man's land. And, you know, Larry David, who loves having things come back full circle, this is the first conversation on the show, and it's also the last conversation of the show in the finale. So nice little tie-in there for people who pay attention to that. But here we are. Here's introduction to not just Jerry playing a, you know, himself or a version of himself, but also George Costanza, played by Jason Alexander, and as you mentioned, you know, he didn't think he was going to get the part uh, for a number of reasons. He did think he was doing like a Woody Allen impression, but also he was convinced that the part was going to go to another comedian, Larry Miller, who was very good friends with Jerry at the time. And we would see him many seasons later, season six in the episode, The Doorman. And, uh, you know, he's you would recognize his face if you saw Larry Miller. He's been in a lot of movies, especially in the 90s. Uh, uh, do, uh, what's the what's the Eddie Murphy one? Uh, me, not the clumps. What's the Doc- doctor? No, not Doctor Little. Uh, uh, the Nutty Professor. Professor. He was in that. He was in uh, Best in Show. A lot of those Ten- Best in Show, Christopher Guest movies. He's part of that group. Yeah, Ten Things I Hate About You. He's the dad. He's all, you know, he looks he's, like he's a good a lot. dad. Like, yeah. yeah, he's either a father, a fatherly type, or some antagonistic character who causes trouble, as he does as the doorman. But uh, no, the part would go to Jason Alexander, whose background was more in musical theater. And I think he had been on maybe like one failed pilot or a little bit of uh, experience in television prior to being on Seinfeld, but he was uh, largely unknown. And, and Julia then, Roberts yeah, this, obviously, 
Oh, of course, Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Yes, you know he had he had some like experience also in film, but uh, yeah, again, like musical theater, I think was his forte. Yeah, and yeah, if you watch, for example, the nineteen ninety seven or ninety eight like Cinderella with Brandy, he's in that, and then you get a little more sense of his theatricality. I mean, even as George, you get a sense of his theatricality because he's very physical in his acting. There's a lot of charm in what he's doing, even if he's doing things as George that is deplorable, he's still doing it in a way that is very almost sing-songy in a way. I I can't think of – and I think Larry Miller is very talented, but I can't think of anyone perfect for George. Like he is – Jason Alexander nailed this role. And Oh, absolutely. But yeah, I, I think to – of course, we're talking about the pilot – he doesn't like as he's still feeling out who George is, but there's lines in there, you know, talking about the button that really kind of establishes that this show is going to be talking about those little nuances of life, those little like everyday stuff you stuff you notice but you don't notice or talk about, and it, like that button conversation, uh, and it's written it's written pretty well, like and I. I had to look this up uh, just because Seinfeld, of course, has become this behemoth and situational comedy and comedy in general. But I'm like, where do people feel about the the pilot? And I think uh, Vulture, like they ranked all the uh, Seinfeld episodes. Wow, that's uh, that's 180 of them. So that's a very long list. This isn't anyone's like top. 25 i i'm very curious if it is but it it was 150 or once it was like it was in the bottom 20 but i'm like for a pilot that for what it became there were parts where i'm actually laughing i do enjoy this more than i initially thought i would right like watching this i'm like okay i anticipated it's being like really slow because i don't really watch these early episodes nearly as much i I very much like season three onward but no it actually flows better than i remember it flowing so you know you kind of have to maybe grade on a curve but also give give it a little more credit well imagine us back in like 89 never having not not knowing what Seinfeld really is and going like, you know, there's something unique about this show. I got to keep an eye mm-hmm. on this. And I'm sure I think right. word I mean, of mouth, maybe not in the first season, but definitely in the second season, word of mouth is like, hey, have you seen the Seinfeld show? And it became mm-hmm. like, you can't miss, must see TV. I was going to say can't miss TV. <laughs> can't see. <laughs> can't uh, no, Definitely. I think by you could tell when you watch the show and as a Seinfeld fan, you can pinpoint certain moments in, say, like season three and season four where things really click and yes. people start to really fall in love with the show. Uh, you can maybe point to The Boyfriend, the episode with Keith Hernandez, as having a lot of moments where the audience is really laughing a lot harder than they had in any episode prior. So, you know, it's kind of cool to see the show get its stride and really, again, like take the nuggets that, you know, that are positive from this initial pilot and, and grow that, yeah. you know, take those seeds and really, um, you know, explore the, the positives that came out of this. this pilot it's almost walked. like an experiment. Yeah. Yeah. This pilot walked so that like Seinfeld could sprint, not even run. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, with any pilot too, it's like 
you have to uh, appreciate it for what it gave you, even if it's not the episode you go back to the most. It's at least something that you could see the you you can see the art in motion. Oh yeah, as it's as it's being crafted. So it's it's kind of special to to witness that. I'll always tell people like if you want to like start, really watch a show and start it from like the like like oh I, if someone never seen Seinfeld, I would say like start from the beginning just to see what it becomes. Like and it was uh, with sitcoms, it's easy to like oh I don't know what to watch. Like you know you can watch Seinfeld at any point and just like kind of you know really just relax and just have it on. You could watch it with friends. Mm-hmm. But like if you really want to just watch and experience a show for the first time or just to like it's I'm not saying the pilot's bad, but to just see what it came from. Like that I think yeah. you I think you appreciate this show better. More. Yeah, I I think so. And what's nice too is that the show has a very strong sense of continuity and there are nods to things that happen in this pilot yes. later on yes, there are. for the big time fans. So there's there's some nice payoffs there. So we'll we'll make sure to make note of those as we pass them in this rewatch. But you know, we're also introduced to this other character as we mentioned Claire, the waitress, and she kind of has a bit that I feel like is very Larry David-esque in terms of its writing, you know, like I have the two coffees, the the you know, decaf and the regular left and the right left and the right it's a bit repetitive in a way that i do find amusing but you see a lot of that too in curb your enthusiasm and as well as this show seinfeld this sort of repetitiveness to the joke and the rhythm of it so you know again early early signs of that but uh you know this this actress lee garlington yeah i don't really know her from anything else and yeah it's it's yeah, but you can feel bad if maybe she was under the impression that she would be brought back with the show and it was ordered for more episodes and that winds up being the case. But at the same time, you know, Elaine is such a great character that I am glad that they did make a shift to someone who is, you know, an ex-girlfriend of Jerry's who is a friend. She's not just a waitress that is in the show by happenstance because the character is almost generic, you know, sassy waitress, right? Like how many sassy characters in a servitude sort of role are there in sitcoms right like you see that so often you know fresh prince of bel-air the nanny the sort of person who is just always making these zingers to to get the main character that's really all the only purpose they serve so i'm glad they kind of got away from that but you know in this first scene too we established the plot of the pilot which is jerry is having a female friend named laura coming to visit and so George and Jerry are debating, dissecting the the situation, you know, the possibility of romance, whether or not it's there. And, you know, they ask for Claire's advice, et cetera. So that's really, I think, you know, it's like the core of the show is to dissect these certain situations, as you mentioned, these sort of these sort of moments where it's like, you know, this hasn't been talked about. You know, what what are what are the norms for some of these situations. You try to take what you know, what everyone knows, but then you put that into a situation that's almost unexplored in a way. But it still has to be believable, right? So you have to believe that someone could find themselves in a situation like this. And uh, as we'll see when we get to the big reveal at the end of the episode, the believability is something that not all audiences uh, could accept. Is this the only scene that we get, Claire? 
I believe so. Looking back through this, I mean, we don't return to Pete's Luncheonette. Yeah, we don't. This is it. Like, I I can imagine between the first and the year to write the next couple of episodes, I imagine Larry David and Jerry did have to go like, all right, we need a character who is who can be in the apartment. Exactly. You need a character who can be more involved. Yeah. And that is the criticism I was bringing up with that generic sort of zinger type character that you see on so many other sitcoms is that you never explore them. They're just there. They make their jokes. The audiences appreciate the humor that they make, but there's no true interest in who that character is. So yeah, that would be what we get from Elaine. And I don't think you really could get that from this Claire character. So yeah, no, it's just, they, they tried and they were able to go, they were able to pinpoint that problem or that issue right away. Yeah, and that's the thing. But Pilots yeah. are like um, a work in progress, right? And, yeah. you know, Claire, we hardly knew you. We just met you yeah. in the scene, and we uh, unknowingly are saying goodbye. So, you know, after this scene, after this Pete's Luncheonette scene, we move on to the next scene, which is in the laundromat. And it's just George and Jerry continuing this discussion on the Laura situation and a little bit of playfulness about doing laundry. You know, can clothes be overdried or not? This is where you know whether you're along for the like. You know, you can't like you can't overdry, but you can overdry. Like, it's like, like you can't it, overwet. It, it's yeah. This is the like what Seinfeld at least like. There, this is the show. This is the like the theme or the tone of the show that they're going for. Talking about like relationships, but also talking about like trivial stuff at the at the laundromat about laundry and i think and if you're not aboard like you're not on board. i think this is where some people fell off the initial test audiences as well as the uh the general audience that saw the premiere it's something that a lot of test audiences found to be too mundane you know it's just not interesting to a lot of people to just watch people do laundry I mean, it's not like the whole episode takes place at this laundromat. There's other things going on. They're discussing the situation. And again, this is supposed to be more grounded. And okay, so like the set of this laundromat isn't particularly exciting to look at. It's a very yeah. like, you know, dingy old looking laundromat. And you don't spend a ton of time there, thankfully. But, you know, you do get a little playfulness from Jerry and George in the way that they sort of interact with the background extras in a way. You kind of see that also later on, the way they kind of pull people randomly into their conversation for brief moments and and then return. And, you know, the the bystander who gets roped in is confused. You, you get bits of that later on as well. I bet like, OK, uh, like the NBC executives were like, all right, we're only we're only giving them one episode. So like, what's the worst that could happen? And they gave them the minimal budget because everything does look cheap. Like, yeah. it, like it's, it's, uh, the, the, re- uh, the restaurant, the J- Jerry's apartment, the laundromat, as you said, it's not, it's not exciting, but it just looks very like college theater setup. Theater is the word I was also coming to. It feels very theatrical. I, and it almost feels like something you could watch in a live theatrical setting. I mean, an episode also that is very famous in the series, the Chinese restaurant that all takes place in the same set the entire time all driven by dialogue, not a lot happens. That's even been described by the actors. It felt like doing a play. And I mean, sitcoms themselves too, if you think about it, it is kind of like doing a play that's being filmed because it's like this open set with the live audience and 
you know, there's no fourth wall there, obviously. So there is something to be said about the theatrical nature of of a sitcom, and this show is kind of a little more obvious about it, I want to say. That Chinese restaurant was season two, right? That was the yeah towards the end of season two it's another script that the executives that's when it became seinfeld that is like like people waiting for their table but yeah no everything in this pilot just like it looks like they like they were they felt lucky to get a budget yeah they worked with what they had i just yeah exactly and and uh we'll see that when we go to jerry's apartment yeah and you know speaking of which you know we get a little um we are going to go to Jerry's apartment in a second, but first we get oh. some transition stand-up on oh, yes. laundry, right? This is where we're getting more of that, oh, yeah. you know, the tie-in from this from the story to the stand-up. And Jerry does his bit about laundry, the sock that escapes, and you know, detergent that gets out bloodstained. You know, you got bigger problems than laundry. These, you know, it's funny too because some of the some of the stand-up he does, and even in this initial pilot, is stand up i i would uh hear him do for example in his late 90s special when the show wrapped uh, i'm telling you for the last time right and that's kind of the idea of that special is to you know tell these jokes one more time and so yeah some of these jokes actually did kind of sound familiar socks are the most amazing article of clothing they hate their lives they're in the shoes with stinky feet the boring drawers (laughs) the dryer is their only chance to escape and they all know it They do escape from the dryer. They plan it in the hamper the night before. Tomorrow, the dryer. I'm going. You wait here. The dryer door swings open. The sock is waiting up against the side wall. He hopes you don't see him. Then he goes down the road. They get buttons sewn on their face. Join a puppet show. Uh, But, you know, okay, so we move on to jerry's apartment we see it for the first time and you know it's not quite the same as it would go on to be there's like this huge skylight on the very left (laughs) that's not something that would stay obviously the furniture looks quite different but you get the basic layout of what it would be it gets fine-tuned when you get to the the remainder of the first season now we're about to talk and talk about a whole new character that we're introduced to but before that, it's this whole first episode feels like we're watching like Seinfeld in an alternate universe. A bit, a like bit. just and like it, that's it's like if you were to go to Universe B and you're like, oh yeah, we have Seinfeld here, and you're just like, this is insane. Especially when the neighbor comes in, right? That's where. That, who can I say like who goes by the name of Kessler right exactly it's like he, oh it, he doesn't do the walk he doesn't do the 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 walk in it, it's so bizarre that's so funny you make that point about it being like an alternate universe right like oh in this universe the character's name is Kessler and his yeah. hair is short not tall <laughs> and also funny enough that's one of the also one of the most beloved episodes later on the bizarro jerry right that they do explore that alternate universe sort of thing but yes and oh and they do uh later in an episode like in a later season i isn't his name kessler on the mailbox or something like that the nod to this name continuity change or whatever you want to call it 
is in the season nine episode, The Betrayal, which is known by fans. Season nine, wow. Known by fans as the backwards episode because it's an episode that goes backwards chronologically. The writers have some fun with that and they go really far back. And the last scene, I believe, is Jerry moving into his apartment for the first time. And he he says uh, to the neighbor he meets, oh, your name's Kessler, right? And he says, no, actually, it's Kramer. So that's the nod to the pilot. That's brilliant. That's brilliant because they're acknowledged like the they like they hold how they see the uh, the pilot is just like yeah like we we don't know what we were doing back then. It's I mean I don't think uh, they use his name very often. They don't say his name I don't think uh, too many times for it to be that obvious. So you can kind of get away with that joke. Yeah, you know, I mean obviously it's like an Easter egg, really. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, here we're introduced to. Kessler, uh, played by Michael Richards, and uh, this is a character that Larry David based off of his real-life neighbor, Kenny Kramer, and Larry David was rightfully cautious about using the actual name Kramer because he was afraid that this guy would take advantage, which he did. I believe that there were... He Kramered it. He definitely Kramered <laughs> it. He, he like forced the network to give him like money, and I don't know what else. He did like a, a tour, the actual Kramer tour, and that was also referenced in the show, too. There's like all these sort of uh, layers here that the show would stumble into, like meta layers. But uh, yeah, Michael Richards plays Kessler in this pilot episode, later known as Kramer. And, uh, you know, Michael Richards and Larry David were not total strangers to each other. They had worked together on the comedy show Fridays, uh, which I believe they aired in like the late 70s, the early 80s. And um, so, yeah, that was there were a lot of other actors who auditioned. But, you know, this is um, someone that had worked with Larry David prior. And uh, some interesting things here about the Kessler character that are mentioned that don't quite stick in later episodes. Right. Jerry mentions that Kessler hasn't left the building in 10 years. So I think they're really trying to establish <laughs> Kessler, Kessler Kramer, whatever you want to call him, as this like shut-in character. And the show kind of retcons that comment, obviously, because that just wasn't going to work. I think they initially thought, like, he's not in the Chinese restaurant episode, for example, because they didn't really see him being a character that would leave the building. That would be his shtick. But, you know, that is very constraining for the character, obviously. So they did drop all that. But just interesting what they're trying to set up here with them. And you could see Michael Richards has maybe like an has maybe an idea of what this character is. And there's some physicality, but you could tell he's gonna build on all this later. He's not there yet, but it's like the They didn't know the ace that they it's had. a foundation. They had they, everyone's an ace. Everyone's an ace. But like Michael Richards, um, just talking about him solely as Kramer, is a master at prop com, like or as physical. Oh, comedy. absolutely! Because that that's how uh, I, I'm a product of the '90s, and Seinfeld to me was introduced because it came on after Simpsons, and me being young, I don't really, I I didn't get Seinfeld, but it was I I anytime that I did watch it. Kramer was the one that kids at least are getting a kick out. Absolutely. He is the character that I think is the initial appeal to first-time viewers because I don't want to say his humor is more universal or broad, but I think he definitely gets like the most obvious humor. He gets he delivers the most outrageous humor, right? I think he's the most standout character 
physically, uh, physicality, right? Like you say, he uses his body a lot in his humor. And yeah. he definitely gets into the most outlandish situations in the show. So I think he's kind of like your initial hook if you're someone watching reruns of the show. He's kind of like the most standout character of the main four, for sure. He's the first meme, basically. <laughs> like he like or like at least like that's he's the first gif for the show. Mm-hmm. Or like I don't know. That's it was it spoke to every age. Yeah, I, I think so. I that's what I'm saying. It's not a criticism that his humor is more universal, but it's just more identifiable and yeah. it's it's a little more memorable when you're younger and maybe you don't quite relate to these adult situations that Jerry, George, and Elaine are going through. And but it's like they, he's so restrained here. I'm I know. like, and I get it. I get it. Again, you see some. Like you, you can't. You can't go all out right you away. You see some. You, ha- you can't. Some go- mannerisms, right? He uses his arms in a way. Yeah. He's he's kind of just starting to form what the character would be. When he rips the thing out, like he he licks the magazine and puts it right. back. I think what they. I think that's funny. What they, I think first get right about the character is how Kramer kind of ruins things for Jerry a lot, right? He he spoils oh, he spoils yeah. the Met game. He's ripping up a magazine. You know, he imposes on Jerry a lot without really realizing. And he has these very uh, outlandish claims, right? He claims to have been a lawyer or almost have been a lawyer in this pilot, which, uh, you know, uh, that's that's something you would see a lot throughout the show is this very um, – these very questionable – tales of his past that he gives right i think in one episode he claims to have been in the army and when they ask him for how when were you in the army he goes that's classified (laughs) so (laughs) yeah that's you're again you're getting the essence for the character it's almost like they're forming the character out of mold and they just started to shape it so uh the conversation again about laura the laura situation continues in this scene and we get a call from Laura, and Jerry does a signature answer by sort of punching the phone up and grabbing it. And he, you know, he gets news that Laura wants to stay with him during this upcoming visit. Right? He was just, she was just going to see him, but now she wants to stay with him, adding to this situation. Right? Like, oh, like that's a positive sign that this could be maybe a romantic outcome for Jerry. So. That is where the act break is. And uh, I believe this is the only act break in this pilot episode, right? I think typically the show, like most sitcoms, gets two act breaks, but in this pilot, it's just the one. Uh, So we return to Jerry's apartment again, and Jerry and George are carrying in this extra bed, and they're they're still debating about whether or not Laura is interested in Jerry romantically. And then... A dog enters. Apparently, Kessler has a dog. And it's sort of random when you watch it, but when you learn about the behind the scenes, one of Jerry's stand ups initially was going to be about dogs. And so the tie in would have been this dog that runs in that's supposedly Kessler's dog. And so, you know, without that context, it's like, okay, I guess Kessler has a dog. I don't know how he takes out the dog if he hasn't left the building in 10 years. Uh, but, you know, you can draw your own conclusion. Uh, Ed, obviously, that's something that you sort of retcon, right? This is it's just a random dog. Maybe he was watching. They got rid of that dog. That, like, I I was, sh- like, surprised. Like, oh, my God, there's a dog. And, yeah, 
They got rid of that dog. Right. It's just not something like, that would suck. I mean, maybe you can imagine your own backstory. Maybe he was watching a neighbor's dog. Who knows? A stray dog. He just took in a yeah, stray. Yeah, well, you know, Kramer's kind of like a human stray, so I think that would track. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we get yeah. a comment from George. One of his pieces of advice for Jerry is to always do the opposite. And that's something that would return in the season five finale, the opposite, where George learns to do the opposite of his instinct. So, you know, again, another sort of bit that they they mention here, but then they were fully explored later on in the series. And then we also get the establishment of George's job. Kessler asks him, George, about his real estate job. How's the real estate business? And that is George's job for the first season and a half. A while, right? He gets, yeah, I was like, I, I had to remember, to, to think i'm like was that only for the pilot and i'm like he he's only a real estate agent for a little bit and then he gets fired and that's what? when also seinfeld becomes seinfeld. right right and you know that i think that was the right choice for the show to make because it just seems kind of random i think it plays into the story of a show maybe once or twice there's like an episode where george is showing jerry a potential apartment and that's really it. It didn't really seem relevant for the character. So I think it makes sense that they would have him lose his job. And one of the funny things about George in the first few seasons is, um, you know, his struggle to find a job and his continual failures at getting a job. So, yeah, we have that scene. And now we go back to another stand-up, another transition uh, with Jerry doing stand-up now on the dating world. And this is one too many. <laughs> this is started. It's a lot. <laughs> and, you know, we get a very classic theme for for Seinfeld, Seinfeldian humor, if you want to call it, which is, you know, how men and women don't understand each other, how men are very clueless when it comes to dating. And he compares dates to a job interview. And so that's all really funny. And obviously the show explores the dating world to a great degree, not just for George and Jerry, but you know, also for Elaine and the sort of bizarre things that caused them to end their relationships. These very menial things that they find wrong with people, but then also, you know, the struggle to just meet someone in the first place. So that's obviously very relatable. And I think that's an interesting point for this pilot to make because it is a very, a very recurring theme for the series. Listen, listen, don't get worked up because you're going to know the whole story the minute she steps off the plane. Really? How? Because it's all in the greeting. Uh-huh. All right. If she puts the bags down before she greets you, that's a good sign. Right. You know, anything in the in the lip area is good. Lip area. You know, a hug, definitely good. Hug is definitely good. Sure. Although, what if it's one of those hugs where the shoulders are touching, the hips are eight feet apart? Yeah, that's a brutal. I hate that. You know how they do that? Also, uh, you know, a, a shake is bad. Shake is bad. Yeah. But what if it's the two-hander, the hand on the bottom, the hand on the top, the warm look in the eyes? Hand sandwich. Right. And, you know, it kind of made me think, too, actually. Jerry in the stand-up compares dating to a job interview. And it made me think, you know, we're doing this podcast about TV pilots, and it's almost like a TV pilot is a show going on an interview with the viewing public, right? Like, here it is. And you make your assessment afterwards if they get the job or not of being something that you're going to watch regularly. So, you know, a little... Yeah, that's a good... That's a little... That's a good uh, uh, analogy right little there. little tie-in. It's like, okay, I'll give you... I'll give you five more dates and right, you know. Sometimes it's an awful first date. That's it. No more. I'm not calling this show back. Sometimes it's like, okay, I'm not quite sure. I'll give this 
this show another chance, another date, and watch another episode. And then you find out through the grapevine, oh my god, he's such a good dater. He's such a he, like he wait until he gets takes you on the fifth date, and you're like, what, Jimmy? Like he had a terrible first date with me. Right. It's almost like everyone has their own relationship with the show, with whatever show it is. And uh, you know, if it's a great show you love, it's like, oh man, I had the time of my life with that show. So. You know, now we get away from Jerry's apartment for at least one more scene, and now we're in an airport. And you know, Jerry continues this theme about how he he wants to know what women are thinking. He doesn't know. He wishes he can ask women just straight outright. Then you get this conversation between Jerry and George where they talk about how to interpret different kinds of greetings, and I think that is very Larry David. And it's funny. It's very. Like it is. It's, ve- it's a very good conversation. I like it. I like how they give names to the different kinds of greetings, like the hand sandwich. <laughs> you know, uh, I think that's very. That's a very Larry the David. Hug, but like, oh, what if the butt's out? Right. They do the. They do it physically. There's some good physical humor there for them. I, I think that's like a highlight for this pilot. And you know, of course, Laura, when she enters, she does a greeting that is totally something they're not prepared for. It. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> right. And that's, again, a very something very much you'd see the rest of the series is the characters trying to be prepared for a situation as much as possible, but then something totally throws them off that they're not prepared for. So, you know, as much as you want to say that, oh, maybe this pilot isn't what people go back to a lot. It is, it, it does establish a lot of things that it would improve upon to, to explore. Yeah. It knows its strengths and it utilizes it to the fullest and it dropped its weaknesses. Exactly. So, you know, now we go back to our final scene in Jerry's apartment and, you know, we get a little sarcasm from Jerry, which the show would continue with, you know, that's some signature Jerry humor, you know? Um, and of course, Things seem to be going his way. They're having wine. They turn down the lights. See um, what else happens here. You know, uh, they're gonna go on a cruise. They're gonna make plans for the next day. Cruise, right? So uh, things seem really just as Jerry wants them to go until another phone call and uh, Laura uh, ends the phone call and tells Jerry never get engaged. (laughs) So the the carpet gets or the the floor gets pulled right from underneath him. And yeah, that's sort of where the pilot ends. And you know, this well, is kind speaking of speaking of oh, I I just realized like just now that because usually you know oh never get engaged and I would go but um bum 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 right does not have that. There's the, none of that. There's in this in this first episode. Not really a baseline. I don't know if they really there's, have the theme at all yet. And no, they don't. It starts out with just. Uh, like Jerry doing his jokes and then you see the opening credits. You, you see like like a presenting Seinfeld. It's almost like a short film in the way that it's edited yes. and presented. Right. You don't have that classic baseline to close out the episode. Uh, but, but it has that dramatic – it has that comedic irony that you so love. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. You know, again, like the show definitely is good at setting the characters up for one outcome only for that the last second to – be a different kind of outcome that they did not expect and uh but yeah this is this is actually a point of contention that a lot of audiences had you know why would an engaged woman stay with uh you know a a guy that she barely knows you know that that's something that they didn't really buy i'm not debating whether or not that happens i'm just saying that was like 
the believability factor dropped for a lot of viewers at home. And yeah, you can maybe make the the case, you know, like, yeah, why why if you only knew someone once, you know, say you're engaged and you have this friend of the sex you're attracted to uh in another city, you go there, you visit them, you stay with them by yourself. You know, is that something that actually happens that often? I I, I don't know. Maybe back then, not as often, but yeah, again, I feel like I could hear someone going like, it's just for the joke. Right. It, it was the 80s. Or the, it was the late 80s. Late, early, late 80s. Just for the <laughs> Exactly. I uh, think it was the joke. It was just one of those things that the show's setting up for its framework, as I was describing before. Uh, yeah. You know, like last second twist that the character's not prepared for, and things don't usually work out for the characters as they want. So, you know, that's basically the the essence of it that they're trying to establish. But again, the, that particular instance, not something that a lot of audiences were believing. Uh, and then finally, we get this uh, closing stand up uh, again about men not understanding women, the car honking. You know, this is the best we can come up with. Another sort of bit that I would hear later on in that um, I'm telling you for the last time stand up special. So. Yeah, there you have it. That's that is the pilot. It sort of ends suddenly. I want to say too. It it's just kind of like it ends because the end credits is just stills from the stand up. There's no there's no. It didn't have the music. There's no action. It it's quiet. You know, it's just like okay, it's over now. That's it. I swear, I have absolutely no idea what women are thinking. I don't get it. Okay, I I, I admit I I'm not getting the signals. I am not getting it. Women, they're they're so subtle. They're little. Everything they do is subtle. <laughs> men are not subtle. We are obvious. Women know what men want. Men know what men want. What do we want? We want women. That's it. <laughs> it's the only thing we know for sure. It really is. We want women. How do we get them? Oh, we don't know about that. We don't know. It's, there's something, like, if I was watching this, I would, and granted, you don't, you, little did people know they wouldn't see it for a year, mm -hmm. but... There's something there. There's something that I, that people I don't think have seen before on television, and it's not. It, it is to praise like Larry and Jerry being like they came out at the right time with a unique voice that kind of brought in New York. It made New York a character as the show went on, which opened mm -hmm. the floor for other sitcoms to make New York a character. Uh, yeah, a little kind of the start of that too. A little uh foreshadow for what we might be covering very soon after this series. Oh. But uh but yeah, uh yeah, no spoilers. But that's that's a good point. It was a fresh voice for this sitcom genre. But you can kind of tell this is unfamiliar territory with audiences at home. I mean, at least if you want to use the studio audience as a gauge as a sample right? Because they're not really laughing that much throughout this episode, right? It's like tepid laughter at best. Yeah, that's Where, a good way to describe it. Whereas, you know, when you watch other sitcoms at the time, say a Cheers, Cosby Show, um, Golden Girls, those shows pretty consistently got fairly hard, hearty laughs, right? And this is a show where, again, the humor was very new and people weren't really sure what to make of it. And I, I do think it's engaging. It's not laugh out loud funny. The show would eventually become laugh out loud funny. But that's not really what the goal was per se as of yet. Uh, so it, it just needed a little more patience from the viewers to understand where the writers were coming from. It was so fresh it was scary for viewers. Like they didn't know like, like this isn't what I'm used to. Yeah. Like, it, it, could be, like, it could be like, you know, intimidating at first. But 
like but you need that you need people who are yeah. going to be willing to maybe face a negative response in order to bring a new voice to the genre because you know frankly you can you can enjoy some of those other sort of sitcoms like i mentioned but you know like the golden girls people will cover that one day i've watched several episodes and you know it's fairly agreeable humor right uh but at, after a while when you watch any of those kind of shows like one after another it does feel kind of repetitive and not anything that's super challenging or engaging whereas this like you could watch as i have episodes over and over and over again and it's it's always very engaging yeah you're the three-time bar tr- seinfeld trivia champion that's right me i'm bragging for you i'm I bragging for you i haven't done it alone i've definitely had help from some friends who are also podcasters uh and it's it's a lot of fun to do that so that's another reason why this sh- this show Seinfeld is the first one we're covering on this podcast because it is a show that's near and dear to, I would say both of our hearts. And again, like it's, it's a very good textbook example of uh, a first episode, a first show that doesn't quite know yet what it's going to be fully. Uh, But, you know, if you think about, you know, the differences here between this pilot and the rest of the series, we've touched on them somewhat, but there's some other things, right? Like we mentioned Pete's luncheonette, not quite yet monk's cafe, no Elaine. Um, the series actually had a totally different name when this first aired too. It was the Seinfeld Chronicles when this pilot first aired. And when it was given that short order for four more episodes, they shortened it to just Seinfeld because there was a similarly named show called the Marshall Chronicles that I guess people would be. I think that's better. Seinfeld I, is better I, than yeah. the Seinfeld Chronicles, but uh, I get, I get where they were coming from with that initial title because it's a guy's life and how that translates to what he does on stage. Um, but, you know, we, we were touching on this for a while, but does this pilot convey the premise and the tone that the rest of the series is known for? Somewhat, right? I think you have to look closely. Yeah. It's not obvious. And I think that when you watch it casually, you would say no. But when you further examine it, you can tell that the sort of topics they're touching on and the dynamics they're setting up it is what you find in the rest of the series. It's it's just something that isn't fully realized quite yet. And you're just starting to explore those topics, right? It's like you're at the surface in this first episode. And then as you continue the series, you dive deeper and deeper into the, the neuroses of the characters, into those very specific mundane situations, into these... Um, yeah, you know, just into these topics more and more. So it's it's almost as if like you're just dipping your your feet in the water at this point. Uh, so you know, maybe again for me, not an episode that I I'll go back to more and more. But I think doing this retrospective watch has given me a better appreciation for this uh, Seinfeld pilot. Oh yeah, no, like every time I like decide to rewatch a series, I do start with the pilot, and I will say like. You know, oh, with this show, you it's good up until season seven, and then you can go to the finale, or you could do this. But it's like it's good to start with this just to see. Like on a casual rewatch, I wouldn't probably yeah put it on, but it's good to see where it all started. Like, and it's nice to know that there were some people in positions of power who saw who saw that and said and and did say like, hey, let's give let's allow this. Show room to breathe, 
not every show gets that luxury and maybe not every show should but like there was a you this was a unique voice and i think time has proven us like with larry david especially and and seinfeld but larry david took that and made another hit show with it which i also wanted to cover that pilot too one day oh very well because we, you know, we talked about alternate universes. I feel like there is an alternative universe where we don't get Seinfeld, that this pilot was not ordered for more episodes, and it did die with this one episode here. So And Larry David's still on doing stand-up, like going, ah, I hate you all, and just leave. He's still doing stand-up. He's somehow saltier in that universe, which is yeah. impossible, but he will find a way. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting, too, because – Based on this first episode, would we watch? You know, I'm not quite sure, right? If I'm my age now in 1989, I watch this pilot, I would say I'm intrigued. And I probably would find myself uh, having this show grow on me like it did for most viewers as it progressed, right? But, you know, we weren't introduced to this show through the first episode. And that's like the last thing I want to touch upon is as a show we've already watched – how were we introduced? And you mentioned it, right? You were watching, it would come on in syndication after The Simpsons, right? Mm-hmm. And same thing for me, syndication was the introduction. And back then they would air the episodes out of order, really. They would, a lot of times it was like the best hits, right? You'd get probably the most beloved episodes like The Contest, The Soup Nazi, The Puffy Shirt. They would play those the most often, I would say. And then sometimes you'd get, you know, like a, a medium you know, like you know what I mean? Like they would they would mix it up, but they would play the most popular. When it episodes. went to TBS is when you would get like the six hour marathons. Right. They it. would have blocks of like I would say uh That's know, when three, I really dove into it. Three hours of you know, like six episodes back to back to back. And I think nowadays they do play the episodes in order when you watch it. I think now on Comedy Central has has it on syndication. Of course most people will probably watch it now on Netflix. But yeah, you know, I was introduced and it's funny when you watch it out of order in the way we did, you kind of have to piece together certain aspects of the show, right? Because you have these you have these story arcs throughout the series. As much as, as a sitcom, you can watch in almost any order. For Seinfeld, there are certain things that track chronologically. So I would kind of have to realize, oh, okay, this is, an, uh, this is from a season where George works for the Yankees. Oh, okay. I was going to say, where Elaine works. Where Elaine works for Mr. Yeah. Pitt. Oh, okay. This is where um, George is engaged. Like you, you kind of have to piece it together the way we watched it. And then, of course, when you finally had the opportunity to either watch through the DVDs uh, when it first came to streaming on Hulu and now on Netflix, then you finally get the full picture. Uh, but we we were able to put it together just from watching it over and over and over again and almost out of necessity right cuz it's like wait a minute like i want to watch these more rare episodes because they're filling in some gaps here well we're also going to have to remember a time like we there was a time when people did not go out on like friday like there there's must see tv was must see tv and i think even in your notes you said like this show like came in like second place the first the pilot episode came it came in second, in second place. place in its time slot to a show called jake, jake, and, the fat man. jake and the fat man which is what <laughs> our nicknames are for each other uh yeah we're not uh, sure which one is which like people want a lot of people watch this and i you know i'm i'm trying to take like my love of this out like i i like to think that i'm someone who would be like all right 
I'm not going to see it again for a year, but I, I would have to be like, Oh, you have to, you know, that show Seinfeld. It's great. It's great. It's like, you have to go back to it. And I would probably jump on it at like, you know, towards the end of season two or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, when I'd probably catch a wave. Yeah. That's how most people got it. Right. That's, that's how I, like, I would probably put myself in that category. But you had enough people to watch it to give it a second and third. And it's definitely a show that so built on. on itself, not just from an audience, right? Like it got more and more popular with each, with each season, uh, the cast of characters, right? Because we don't get Jerry Stiller as Frank Costanza until season five it, it, yeah. it, and so on. You know, Jay Peterman is not until like season seven. So it's a show that continuously grew and grew and grew and grew. And it could have kept going, uh, but – you know, thankfully, we just got nine solid seasons that we can always go back to and cherish. Now we can have AI write our Seinfeld episodes. That <laughs> is a thing. <laughs> and, you know, I, I follow a lot of uh, Seinfeldian-related uh, Instagrams, and people like to come up with their own ideas for, like, modern Seinfeld. You know, it's, it's still something that you can sort of imagine nowadays. You don't get that, but you can kind of... Uh, as a fan of the show, you can kind of imagine like how would George react to whatever's going on right well, now. It's pr- it produced its own like oh that's Seinfeldian, like mm-hmm. you know it, we might like Lynchian, yeah. uh, like Kubrickian, like you know it, I don't like it's hard to explain, but like if you know because we're talking about Seinfeld, like you know like oh that conversation is very Seinfeldian. I've used it before, like when. I've got talked with coworkers or you just the minutia of something like it's part of our lexicon. It is. And I feel like the tone of the show is big influence on my sense of humor and my personality. I I mean, some of the moments I like the most are just these sort of, I don't know, these sort of little moments. Like when Kramer in one episode says, you know, we don't sacrifice people. We don't sacrifice virgins anymore. And Jerry goes, well, you know, maybe we should (laughs) like little moments (laughs) like that really shape I think my personality and humor. So I'm grateful for this show. And I think it's a good starting point for the kinds of uh, things we'll explore on this podcast. Oh, definitely. Um, so, you know, I, I think from here we'll go to, I, I want to stick to this, this era, right? Nineties sitcoms. I think it's a very rich era. And oh my God, it's, it's interesting. I think it's a time where a lot of sitcoms start to focus more on adult topics Certainly, Seinfeld did that, but then a lot of other sitcoms talked not just about dating, but also about sex. And you know, they had to skirt around it at times because this is still broadcast television, and you can only say and depict so much. And I think HBO would kind of take the reins and really open the floodgates. But you know, in this era of broadcast '90s sitcoms, we would really see an elevation of maturity and subject matter. So I think that's why I want to stick to this particular era and genre. So we'll we'll continue to start. I think so. I think so. I think it's a it's a good decade for television, uh, entertainment in general. But yeah, definitely fascinating to explore. So here we go, guys. This is our pilot, right? Yeah. And oh yeah, oh god, yeah. <laughs> Humble beginnings. Absolutely. Hopefully, we were able to convey what we're all about in this first episode. Uh, we'll just see. I'm sure we'll build on what we like and you know th- will evolve over time we'll, like we'll get rid of claire after the second episode <laughs> sorry claire it's nice knowing <laughs> you uh but keith you know this is this is fun we had a previous podcast and it's fun podcasting with you again so definitely excited to, to get back. this 
get good to be back and get the ball rolling. So thanks guys for listening and catch you at the next pilot. Follow us on Instagram and X, formerly Twitter, at Take Us to the Pilot. That's Take Us to the Pilot with the number two. Attention passengers, we've now reached our destination. We hope you enjoyed the flight and have a nice day.